You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast presented by the Arizona Lottery. Don't forget to get out and buy your holiday scratchers with John of Schuster, Ben White. I am Mike Luke. Arizona destroys, and I say destroys Wisconsin, 98-73. to 73. Was that the final score, I believe? Yeah, I believe that's yes, correct. 98-73. Um, this was, and we need to paraphrase this, but the Wisconsin's a solid team. They've beaten a good Marquette team. They've beaten a good uh, Michigan State team. But, shoot, this team was just overwhelming. I mean, uh, Arizona hit them with that 19-2 to run in the first half, and then they never looked back, and it felt like that uh, – it felt like Wisconsin was basically kind of in quicksand against thoroughbreds. It felt that way. Oh, wow, look at you, quicksand against thoroughbreds. Man, uh, uh, the uh, possible title of another autobiography by Mike Luke. Uh, you know, there – but you're right. And one of the concerns in a game like this is that Arizona was kind of going to, I'll put this word in air quotes, allow Wisconsin to dictate tempo in this matchup. But even when Wisconsin was in the game, it felt like Arizona uh, was in control of the pace. And and that ability to, uh, it's a word we've used a lot over the years in regards to more frustrating games involving Arizona. I'm sure other you know, analysis for other teams feels the same way, but in essence, dictating your tempo. And when you see another team ultimately do that, it seems to be frustrating. Wisconsin's very good at controlling that aspect of the game and just could not muster what Arizona was throwing at them today. It was a remarkably impressive performance and a good one, not just for the team, but for the fan base as well. I can attest uh, locally uh, speaking to a fair amount of uh, U of A students who were en route to the game. It's fascinating, at least to me as uh, someone who's, uh, you know, clearly uh, centuries older than a lot of the uh, younger folks who uh, are still uh, getting degrees, how much hatred there is for Wisconsin and how much vitriol there remains. And it's one of those things as, as an elderly gent that you kind of need to remember that when, these ki- when, when the kids who now go to the U of A we're a lot more, um, you know. You're looking at high school, be, middle school. You're yeah. looking at middle school and high school, and games like that have a lot more uh, uh, impact. And and it was interesting that there were a lot of fans very much looking forward to this matchup today, and it looked like the Arizona basketball team followed suit. Ben, this was a this was an across the board performance here. Whether you look at uh, Keyshawn or Keyshawn Johnson, Keyshawn Johnson for Jack Murphy, if you're listening later, um, Caleb Love. Um, Pella Larson, the Swedish pinball across the board. I mean, this was just, it, this was almost a perfect performance. Yeah. I mean, all five starters and double figures. And it's, it's one thing to be ranked number one, but it's another thing to actually deserve it. And I think this team proved today, nonetheless, that they deserve that. I mean, there's not a team in college basketball it. that is checking off the boxes that this team is. And like you said, just across the board, it was a two-point game at one point. And Wisconsin's no joke. I mean, defensively, they're pretty good up until this game. I think they were giving up around 56 points per game. They have six straight wins. So you could definitely make the argument that this was the best team that Arizona has played all year. And yeah, man, it just that that run was really, I think AG put it out on Twitter. But I mean, that run really was the run of death. And you think back to some of these older teams. I know both of you can speak a lot more to this. You think back to some of these older teams and those offenses that you used to see. And um, there wasn't anything that Arizona could not do tonight. And there really wasn't anything that Wisconsin could do to even just slow it down. And I think that goes back to everything we've talked about all season with the fact that you have so many weapons, you have so many areas of attack for this basketball team and it it gets overwhelming. And on top of that, Arizona played like in the second half that they were trailing or it was still a close game. There was no letting off the gas at all, Mike. And I think you saw that, especially there in the first and second half. So when you combine all those things, just a complete domination, like you said, Angel C, you're my guy, but you're wrong about this one. Uh, Kate, I'm wrong about many, many things. Many, many things. KJ Lewis, Ben White can testify to this. I've been making fun of Sheer for three years. I said KJ Lewis should have been a five-star player. I never understood why he was ranked the way that he was. Um, you might have the wrong person here. KJ yeah, Lewis. I would, yeah, I would think so. Mike KJ, Luke loves KJ Lewis. <laughs> KJ Lewis's family can vouch for Mike Luke. Not many others can, but I can. Uh, I will take. I will. I will not take that. Uh, I will not take that besmirchment on my name. Um, but across the board, though, you look at this. 
And I'm gonna we're gonna get into you know is this the best team since when and this and that. But again, people always bring people ask me all the time, and I know you hate this shoe of you know the comparisons. I like comparisons. You hate comparisons. I wish I could compare us about our comparisons. But again, the difference that I'm going to keep going with, and again, Sean Miller did some really good things, but they did not try to overwhelm you like uh, like this team did. This th- Again, this is a Wisconsin team. We need to go back and Marquette is a top 10 team, and they're going to be a top 10 team all season. Um, see how they played against Purdue, and uh, they've had a bunch of good games like that. Again, Michigan State as well. This is a solid team, and Arizona looked to try to demoralize them and demoralize them almost immediately. Yeah, Wisconsin is better than the – and Wisconsin's going to be in a in a lot of close games and win a lot of games, and they're going to be a problem in the tournament for somebody, uh, even if they aren't seeded as favorably as uh, maybe some of the teams that they're going to come up against. But, uh, yeah, yeah, they were able to do things against Marquette that they weren't able to do, and Marquette's a good example. We understand at this stage that uh, even though they played Michigan State better than I think Arizona played Michigan State. Yeah, so, yeah, it, yeah. you know, there's, there, there, there's a lot – Wisconsin's good and but they looked like and I think we've seen this in a lot of games this year against good teams the good teams that Arizona comes up against it feels like Arizona's got one or two players more and eventual and the fact that they've got two guys on the inside maybe three guys on the inside they got they got four guards they can throw Larson and Johnson at you uh there's there's a lot of variety that they bring to the equation that they're a pretty close to too deep at every position and that and, and and you know you talk about a lot well you know they're going to go to an eight-man lineup sure okay but they're able to go deeper than that and I think that depth uh, ultimately wears teams down but the best thing and I think the point that you're alluding to Mike is that 10 years ago you could see an Arizona team with a similar talent skill set and uh, Miller at the time wasn't was much more like the idea his philosophy preferred a pack line philosophy that negated Arizona's ability to use athleticism to turn defense into offense. That is not the strategy that Lloyd implements. And as a result, in a game like this, if you want to look at comparisons, and there have been a lot over the years, there have been games where Arizona once a year on a number of campaigns looks like they're the best team in the country and they look absolutely scary. And very often that game happens in the regular season at McHale Center. Uh, But one of the games that is probably noteworthy that comes to mind that this one looked similar to in in a lot of respects is what Arizona did to Michigan State in the Final Four in 01. And and very often what you're forced to see with Arizona is a team that – has the athleticism that can that 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 needs to go, kind of grind out wins at another team's pace. Arizona flipped the script completely today and did what we like to see: utilize the athleticism that they have, control tempo, and and ultimately dominate the outcome. Ben, one player in Angel C. This is for you. One player that I do need to apologize for, and this apology tour will remain as long as they're here. Pella Larson. Um, Pella Larson, John Schuster was right about Pella Larson when I thought Pella Larson stunk. Ben White was right about him as well. Everybody out there, let, get your licks in now because I deserve it. But Pella Larson is perfect for this team. Uh, again, I think he was a little miscast last year, having to do a little too much. But between yep. the defense, between the finishing, between the hitting the open shots, he was close to perfect. Um, Pella Larson, my bad, Pella. Hashtag movement is even stronger now. Ben One White, what say you? I thought it was his best game that he's played since he's been here. Um, 21 points, but just the quality of opponent. And I think what's so unique about him is I think fit is really giving him the leeway to do things and really putting him in the best position this year. And what I mean by that is when you have the caliber of guard that Arizona does, when you have love, when you have... Boswell, when you have all these guys, it really makes it difficult for teams, especially when maybe Love or Boswell are out of the game due to foul trouble or they're just resting. Larson's going to be in there and there's no resting and there's no looking the other way when it comes to your defense if you're a team facing Arizona because he's somebody who can do everything when it comes to keeping that momentum going offensively. 
He's a good defender. He's more comfortable with the ball. I think he can put this team in spots that they need to be put in if they're, you know, up against a, an issue or a challenge. And I think last year, somebody like him was obviously a six man. The team yeah. was completely different, but he molds really, really well with the cast of guards that this team has. Yes, the uh, we all we, don't worry. There will be making fun of the Big Ten. We have no problem with that. But now it is time for the Desert Financial Credit Union. Uh, by the numbers, Jacob Franklin, if you have this, okay. This is called an ass kicking. Um, fifty-eight percent uh, field goal uh, shooting, forty-eight percent or forty-eight percent rebounds, forty-eight rebounds to thirty-one, twenty-six to thirteen. Generally, when you're playing a team, they have some advantage, whether that's up front or on the perimeter. Arizona had all of the advantages. They beat them up up front. They beat them on the perimeter as well. Um, the Desert Financial Credit Union, uh, by the numbers, thank you very much. Uh, uh, Arizona's number one credit union named by Forbes. Schuster, what do these stats tell you? A couple things that I'm fascinated with here. There was a stat that ESPN broadcast toward the end of the game that said something to the effect that uh, when Arizona played Wisconsin in the mid-90s, it was the last time that Wisconsin had given up something like 94 points. 98 uh, points, and, 1994. And, okay, and tonight it was that kind of number. What was it, 97, 98 tonight? It was yeah, 98. Uh, yep. Okay, nine, 98 tonight. So, so they evened that. The secondary number that I'd be curious at looking at is when's the last time Wisconsin's been out-rebounded by 17? And I feel yeah. like my guess could be it's been pretty close to that that amount of time. They got absolutely, you know, if we're playing the what is uh, Mike Luke and what has Ben White and what has Shoe been harping on for the you know good portion of the year part, uh, the Shoe harpsichord part of the pun has been rebounding. Yeah, and uh, Arizona was absolutely phenomenal in that regard today. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, so. You know, in addition to Arizona played, Arizona played scary good, pretty clearly. You're almost afraid at this stage that Arizona's going to get bored. It, it looked that easy, and they got into that kind of a flow. The good news is that they've got three very difficult games on the horizon, which helps for the remainder of December. But if they win those games in similar fashion to the way that they won today, your concern starts to be entirely different. You, you, you almost shut down, shut out what anybody's telling you because of how well things are. Uh, progressing. This was this was a phenomenal uh, performance by Arizona. You talked about Larson as an example. I think My bad. I, I think uh, to me there are a couple things working in regards to Larson. One, he's a year more mature, which obviously helps. A, 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 an extra year of experience in the program, understanding what's expected, is is, is a big deal. The second thing is he now doesn't have to be a major guy that the scouting report is trying to figure out how to mm -hmm. stop. Right. Because you're you're now worried about stopping three other guys on the roster first. Mm -hmm. And that's where a guy as good as Larson, if he's your number four option, what number four player are you going to put on him? Exactly. Uh, that, 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 that becomes significantly difficult. And, and as a result of that, he becomes uh, very effective in regards to being a guy who can fill out the stats. And... One of the other things, uh, uh, there are a few really good things individually and as a team today. Wisconsin's the type of team that can control tempo, can hold its own from a rebounding standpoint, and wants to pack it in and make you beat them from outside. If Arizona's converting at the rate that they did from three-point range, a lot of other teams in the country are in trouble. Yes, uh, big time. By the way, TJ Howe in here. TJ, thank you for coming in here and uh, uh, commenting on this. I don't know how to respond to the YouTube. TJ has two beefs with me. TJ doesn't understand why I say that I actually like Anthony Cimino. It's a joke. And second of all, uh, why I call people the great. I only call them great if I consider them great. If they're on the show, many times they are great. I am not great. You'll never hear the great Mike Luke ever. So, TJ, you've been a well, longtime listener, longtime supporter. I'm, I, I'm really pleased that the great Mike Luke has allowed the great TJ Howe to join us today. Yes. By the way, Unifo, we have been uh, hashtag my bad Pella, my bad Pella, 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 Pella. We like that a lot. Okay, now. Um, let's, uh, let's now let's talk about just the overall. What are, and Ben, we, we've talked about this. It seems like show after show. Uh, I don't know what your, I don't know what the weaknesses are on this team. And again, I, I, I feel like I'm kind of at a loss for words. Like that's a bad thing, but mm -hmm. 
Wisconsin is a team. I was curious to see how Arizona would be able to speed them up. And uh, uh, a Aaron put a put it very well. Got to talk about Tommy's defensive IQ. He was able to speed Wisconsin up by fighting over screens to push them down the lane. Very very true. Uh, but this team, you're they're athletic. They can defend. They're big up front. Uh, Kylan Boswell is a good shooter. Pella Larson, my bad. Pella is a good shooter. Um, I. I don't know what their weaknesses are. I guess you try to pack it in, but let me know how that works. Yeah, aside from last year's team, obviously, and in, in the talent, I think the difference you're seeing too with this year's team is they win on their own terms. Whereas last year's team, I think there were situations and there were games where you would win, but you were having to play down or play to the style of the competition. I think UCLA last year was a great example. Arizona was able to slow it down, win, you know, by high 50s, low 60s, right? Whereas today, Wisconsin is a similar team compared to them last year in the sense that they have athleticism and big guys up front. They like to slow things down. But outside of that, offensively, they're very challenged. They're not going to be scoring, you know, 70, 80, 90 points a game. And it didn't matter. I mean, it did not matter at all. Arizona was able to shoot. And Wisconsin said, we're going to do everything to make you shoot from three. Well, guess what? Arizona shot 46% from three tonight. The bigs were getting involved early on, and it didn't really change throughout the game. I mean, there was no letting up in any sense whatsoever. The only weakness at that point to answer your question is maybe... Maybe slow starts, but outside of that, I mean, we're not talking a a 25-minute slow start kind of like how you saw last year. We're talking maybe five to ten minutes. And the problem that teams have is when this team goes on runs, it's not a five to two run. It's not a eight to two run. It's a 20 to two run. I mean, within a matter of three minutes, the momentum in the game can get out of hand. And I think that's what's so scary about this team. And it goes back to just having so many different guys where in the blink of an eye, a two point game can literally be a, a 19 point game. And you saw that today. You have no idea how excited I am for this read right here. Circle K. All right. John Schuster and I are heading up to Phoenix this evening to go watch Frank Caliendo. Guess who has front Ooh. row seats? <laughs> Guess who's going to be behind the backstage? <laughs> John Schuster. <laughs> John Schuster, not me, probably. But again, Circle K, I can guarantee you we are going to stop by a Circle K because we're going to have to get gas, cheapest gas. Join Inner Circle for free by downloading the Circle K app. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit CircleK.com for details and you might say well mike are you going to get involved with the arizona lottery all right uh, by the way we had bruce pasco on yesterday did you see this ben it was a great show yes oh shoe i'll show this to you but we had bruce on and i was trying to convince bruce to play the arizona lottery and he said he would never play the lottery because he only does uh, uh, bets where he is in favor of winning what a guy, Bruce. But uh, <laughs> uh, but the no, you actually said that. Oh, never... I, oh I, I completely believe that. Yes. Yeah. All right. But the Arizona Lottery, check it out. Um, here's the deal. Go out and buy your holiday scratchers. You can put down just $1 and get $500,000. If it's not good enough for Bruce Pasco, that means that it's good enough for you. All right. Check it out. <laughs> AZ Lottery. I don't even know what that means exactly. Who needs 500 grand when you can get uh, 700 million like Shoei Otani, right? Yeah, I was going to say, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, by the way, I'm going to pick Schuster's brain about that on the way up there. But all right. Now, Umar Ballo, leader of men, um, Listen, I was probably a little hard on Umar after the Michigan State game. Here's what we definitely know about Umar, and this is why it's going to come in, I think, very, very handy against Purdue, Shu, and that he's not going to play in the NBA, but he is 1,000% an immovable object. And I think Wisconsin was hoping that they would probably be able to beat beat Arizona up a little bit down low. You go 7 foot, you go 6'10". These are the kind of games, and against Zach Eady, these are the kind of games where Umar Ballo, leader of men, is very much utilized and very much appreciated. This is Ballo's best game of the year, and I think by far. Yeah. And it may be one of the better games that he's played in this program. He was a difference maker, and Arizona did an exceptional job getting the basketball to him at places where he could succeed. But whatever Wisconsin strategy has, front him, get behind him, Ballo was better and could get to his spot on the floor. But when they tried to front him, forget. When they tried to front him and didn't double down, 
That kind yeah. of surprised me a little bit. I agree. Uh, and and they weren't quick enough to do that, and Arizona was able to obviously effectively take advantage. Ballo, I think a lot of times this year, has been sort of overshadowed by the emergence of Crevis, who, you know, yeah. we, we, we've talked about for 20 or so minutes per game, Crevis looks good. He's got a very good skill set, and, there, and there's been a fair amount of discussion about how he was going to take minutes away from Ballo. But in many of those games, I thought Ballo was very helpful for Arizona in about the final 10 minutes. Uh, today, I thought Ballo was immeasurably impressive. And uh, from basically from the opening tip, he looked fresh. He looked exhilarated. It didn't look like there was any conditioning issues at all. And uh, he could pretty much do whatever he wanted from a rebounding and obviously from a scoring standpoint. Where Wisconsin also ran into a lot of trouble, and Schuster mentioned this early on, and uh, Ben, I think you mentioned this as well, is that Arizona's length and its athleticism length on the perimeter is can be overwhelming for teams in college. Because again, when you got Pella Larson who's six foot six, when you got Caleb Love who's six three, but with a six 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 seven wingspan, then by the way, you're bringing in KJ Lewis, who's probably the best athlete on the team. After that, they really overwhelm you. And the thing about it too, that's nothing. That's something that you can't really replicate in practice. You can't just like have Mike yeah. Luke out there with a broomstick and say, "Hey, watch this." You can't have any of that. And I think that's what's that's what's so that's what's very unique amongst many things with this squad. Yeah, I mean, this squad has some of the best guards in the country, if not the best. I mean, you can you can make that argument um, for sure at this point. Um, yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, because offensively, as skilled as these guys are in terms of shooting and, and getting to the basket and some of the other things they can do, they really do play defense first. I mean, this is a defensive first team, and I think you saw that light bulb go out there in the first half where – or go off, excuse me, in the first half where – it was close, right? But I think you saw a, four, a couple of forced turnovers, some steals, and at that point, in the blink of an eye, it was a a fifteen point game, and it only went up from there. But I think that's what's so interesting about to somebody like Caleb Love, where I think we all thought coming in, okay, you have an idea of what he is. He's been in college for a number of different years, but is he truly going to be a different player? Is he truly going to be more efficient? Um, you hear this a lot of times with guys who come out of the portal or guys who are older, but I mean, he's somebody who has revolutionized his game um, compared to what you watched a couple of years ago. I mean, defensively, I think the energy is there with this team. I like it. I like and it. when they're doing what they're doing on the defensive side, like you saw tonight, I mean, it's going to be overwhelming just because you have so many options on the offensive side. So I think Lub is really kind of, just the energy factor when it comes to that backcourt and what he's doing. And I think it puts guys in position to, to follow suit. And somebody like KJ Lewis was a prime example today, just because of what he was able to do, some of the steals and some of the plays that he made on the defensive side and offensive side, I think led to the result you saw today. So I think it's an energy thing. I think defensively, that is where we are with this team and with these guards. And if it keeps up, I have a hard time seeing a team really slowing down Arizona. I really do. Schuster, what's your take on Kylan Boswell uh, so far? Just uh, just overall thoughts. A lot of people asking about Kylan Boswell. I will defer to my mentor. What are they uh, concerned about? Well, no, just just overall, like just what what do you think about him this this far in the season? You know, maybe vis a vis uh, preseason expectations. Well, just overall, I think it's aligned. Right. I, I think it's aligned with what people anticipated, and, and you have this really interesting one-two punch with what, with the relative advancement that Love has shown in this program, and with what you expected Boswell to be able to do. The two of them feel very comfortable. The aspect beyond Boswell, who's done a lot of things well, and obviously, if you look at Arizona's overall assist numbers, you can see that he contributes in that way. In addition to being assist today, a guy yeah. who can score, uh, so but. You have a guy in love who's capable of scoring and is willing to move the ball around. You have a guy in Boswell who's capable of scoring and is able to move the ball around. Mike, you've talked a lot about Arizona's ability to get into the lane a lot more effectively than they have been in recent years. And those two guys, I think, play into that very well. That said, the thing that aids Arizona to get to that point is that they're just not a two-guard team. Right. That Lewis has come around um, and 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 the Alabama kid whose name I'm drawing. Jaden Bradley. Thank you. Is uh, also is uh, both of them have made, uh, I think, 
expected steps at this point. And when you start throwing them into the game, it just makes Boswell and Love that much more effective. Yeah, Ben, I think you hit the nail on the head about Caleb Love. And I never understood this when people would say that, uh, uh, well, you know, Caleb Love was at North Carolina and he did X, Y, and Z. Listen, Mm -hmm. Tommy Lloyd's not bringing in a dude to come in here and shoot 31% from the field and get 27 shots and just stand there at the top of the three-point line uh, dribbling the ball for eight, uh, eight seconds. Listen. I'm wrong on most things, but I never understood this idea that he couldn't, that Caleb Love couldn't change his game or it couldn't be altered in some way, especially with a guy like Tommy Lloyd, who is obviously a drastically different coach than Hubert Davis, Ben White. Yeah, I mean, you don't even know if Hubert Davis is really a, a good coach at this point, right? right. Um, I think that's still Maybe very is, much up I don't in the know. air. Yeah, but I think on the, on the love point, look, it's it's one thing to see it done at the player level, but it's another thing to question a coaching staff and wonder if it can actually be done. Um, you've seen it time and time again, I think, with Lloyd players, whether it's somebody like Ballo or um, a transfer like himself, right? I mean, it could be a, an incoming freshman. It could be a grad transfer. There hasn't really been a player on this roster since Lloyd's gotten here that's gotten worse year over year or kind of stayed the same. Everybody has progressed in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a starter, somebody off the bench. And I think Lloyd's development school skills are A+. But I think with him, what's made him so successful, too, is just having that level of awareness and not having an ego with what you're trying to do out there. It was very clear that this team needed to reset the way they approached things after the loss last year to Princeton. Get more athletic. Get more physical. Get more tough get more versatile, have different types of weapons. And within a matter of months, you saw the transformation. I mean, a lot of coaches could come in and we've talked about Miller and we've used some other examples. And Sean Miller obviously did some very good things here, but Sean Miller would always point at his track record and say, I'm not changing anything. This works. And I think a lot of coaches do that as well. It's not just Miller. He's just a convenient example because he was the coach here. But yeah, I mean, Lloyd is somebody who is second to none when it comes to developing and and making adjustments. And if, if you're somebody like Caleb Love, I get the Michigan thing fell apart, but he could go anywhere he wanted at that point. And if he wanted to go to a school and, and put up, shots after shot and not really have to worry about playing in the flow of a team, he would have absolutely done that. The guy wants to be a first round lottery pick like every one of these guys on the roster and coming here, he's proving people wrong and he's showing people that there's a lot more to his game than being a point guard who just holds onto the ball and shoots teams in or out of games. I mean, he's just not that at all. But John Schuster, I don't understand why people say that you can't change, but you might say to yourself, I'd like to make some money. And John Schuster, the oracle of knowledge that is, listen, when you got Bruce Pascoe and John Schuster on back-to-back shows, that is essentially 587 years of basketball knowledge and basketball excellence all wrapped into one. We both used our abacus to get to that number. You certainly (laughs) did. And when James Naismith was wandering around with the peach basket. Who did they talk to? Who did they consult? Pascoe and Schuster. Who were on the bleachers watching this? Pasco and Schuster. It was Pasco and Schuster. But Schuster was right about one thing, amongst many, that Arizona would be ranked number one this season and they would beat Duke. You might say, John Schuster, where did you get all of this? Well, you know what? Take John Schuster's knowledge and then go to the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM mobile app of at least $10. If that bet loses, your bonus bets will be available. Once your initial wager is settled, check out the show notes for full details. Again, very cool stuff. Uh, Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. Now, let's hear from the great uh, Shane Diefenbach, the great. Problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369-NEW YORK. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Okay, now... 
what also, again, I want to get back to the bench here a little bit, because a lot of times what you see in college basketball, and we've seen this here at Arizona, you see it with other teams, is that you know that, um, all right, you got a really good starting five or you got four players, and then what happens is you bring players off the bench and you essentially just want to tread water until you can get your starters back in there. That's not the case here with this team. This and that that's what's unique about this year's team, I think, with Tommy Lloyd, as opposed to last two years' teams, where last year, sure, Pella Larson was obviously, you know, good coming off the bench, but that was essentially it. The previous year it was uh, you know, it was Justin Kyer, Pella Larson. This when when KJ Lewis, when Jaden Bradley and Mount Crevis come in. Not only are they looking to maintain that lead, they're looking to push that lead. And there's not a lot of teams in college basketball that have eight dudes that two of them aren't okay. All of them can play. And I think that's something that's very unique there, Shu. Mike and Ben, what are the 340-something Division One college basketball teams? And so one of the things you're eventually going to get is you're going to, and, and limited scholarships, you're probably going to run into depth issues. Right. But Lloyd, with this team, has done a very good job of enhancing the athleticism while recruiting a bunch of skilled players from other lands that uh, come in, I think, a little bit more advanced than a lot of the other uh, teams that you see. Right. And that combination has been very effective. Uh, the guys that you mentioned were kind of a combination of that, even off the bench. But even when you get beyond eight or nine or ten, you look at Arizona in garbage time and you can see some advanced skill set. Yeah. Like, mm. uh, well, it, it, is, it is an embarrassment of riches. Which There's is no Kevin Flanagan's. In the, uh, in, the, uh, in the context of a long season, you hope that things don't work against you with players getting banged up here and there, but it's possible that it happens. It seems like Arizona is a team that is better equipped to weather that uh, than a lot of other teams. Curious, uh, curious on your opinions based on the topic prior to the uh, uh, sponsorship. There, do you? How much better do you think Caleb Love is long term as a result of being at Arizona and Michigan not working out for him? Oh, I think it. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll let Ben then have the floor, but I, I think it's. I think it's immense. I'm, again, Shu, I'm going to give you a lot of credit. You said that when Lloyd came in here, this was a home run hire. I knew nothing about him. Um, He's learning how to play basketball now. Not that he didn't know how to play basketball, Ben, but he's learning how to play basketball. I mean, you talk about something that I think worked out very well for him and both sides. Yeah, 100%. I mean, sometimes the missed opportunity or whatever you're trying to chase is really the blessing in disguise. Um, and that worked out for him in this in this situation. But it's everything we've talked about, right? Um, it's, it's the defense. It's the offense. It's distributing the ball. It's forcing that steal. It's that blocking that shot against Duke that completely changed the momentum. Yeah. He's put together a number of different things the last two months, I think, on a highlight tape or a scouting tape, whatever you want to call it, versus what you saw from him for three years. I mean, he was the same guy at North Carolina year after year. There was no changes there. And I think to Shu's question, if he can put together what he's done in such a short period of time, only know what you can see long term, whether that's the you know in the NBA or wherever he ends up. So I think by a mile, it's going to help him. Um, but I wanted to go back to that point when you talked about the bench and just the rotation that this team has. I think in a weird way, it almost feels kind of off or just wrong to say and use the word bench. I think because when you look at those three guys, Crevis, um, Lewis, and you look at Bradley, those are three guys who could start for a number of different teams in this conference, let alone some of the top programs in college basketball. And I think where you have to really give Lloyd the credit here is from a recruiting standpoint to get guys like that to buy in and to get them to come to the conclusion and love goes in the same category here but to get those four guys to come to the conclusion of okay I'm going to be technically coming off the bench I'm not going to be playing as much as I would like especially in that first year or two but to get them to buy into that and understand that they're going to come in and they're going to have their spots and they're going to be as equally important as the starters, that goes a long way because ego is a real thing, especially with NIL, especially with the transfer portal. And the fact that Lloyd's able to keep all these guys happy, Mike, and every single time they get in the game, you get their absolute best. I'm talking about those bench guys. 
I think that goes, you know, tremendous with what he has done up until, you know, this point in the year. I think with everything that is said there when it comes to just keeping all those guys happy, I'm not sure there's a lot of coaches in college basketball can get the level of guys that they have, you know, one to ten and do what they've done at this point. It's really Caleb, Caleb Love and Kobe Thiel makes this point all the time. And you just did as well. Shoo. I mean, this was a player that was thought of coming in here as this dude's a gunner. This guy's a chucker. He's not about playing winning basketball. He's none of that. Let's just look at what he's done so far. First of all, he's leading the team in assists. Um, and it's not like there aren't good passers. There are playmakers on this team. He's had some spectacular defensive plays as well. He is really, again, he's coming here and he's averaging 13 points per game as opposed to 18 or 19. But if I'm an NBA team, I'm far more intrigued by him at this point because he's showing me that he can do other things. And that is something that I think you have to put squarely on the Tommy guns back. Yeah, uh, there is. And I, I think when you even if let's let's keep this to Arizona sports in general and not to pick on a player, but I'm going to pick on a player and I'm going to pick on a coaching staff as well on the football side, not the current incarnation, but the uh, most recent incarnation and maybe the administration to some degree, too. Uh, when there were issues related to Khalil Tate and Arizona at the quarterback position, yeah. Arizona, it looked to me, decided that they were going to hire their next coach based on who, who Khalil Tate wanted to have hired. And as far as I'm concerned, the second that you yield control to a player, your program's done. And you're and and there's an inevitability that you're going to have to make a change. Are there exceptions to that in certain situations? Perhaps so, but almost exclusively, more often than not, this is the coach's program, and you have to listen to the coach. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that you're a hard ass. That means that you're going to try to garner some respect in the process, and players are willing to listen to you. Lloyd, I think, has a nice balance of that. I'm not sure Davis did. Uh, I'm not sure the Michigan situation would have provided something like that. But there seems to be good kismet between the two of them and other players on the roster. And as a result of that, Lloyd has convinced these guys that you're going to get a lot of uh, opportunities here. For love, it's great. And it's one of those things, how do you get highlight dunks? Well, very often when you get a highlight dunk, it's a steal that caused it. Right. So, you know, so, something happens in the open floor, some sort of assist, you get a my guy to move it out the ball. It's a system that works very well for love and well for a lot of other people. However, the other thing that benefits Lloyd here, too, is that if there's a player who says, hey, you know, I'm kind of full of myself. I don't really like that. I think uh, you're not giving me the ball enough or whatever the case is. Fine. I'll just go recruit somebody else or play somebody else. And the program as a whole will be fine. Right. When you yield to a specific player's whims, I think more often than not, and it's overwhelmingly more often than not, uh, the program is in real trouble at that point. It's funny you mentioned this. I'm going to, uh, uh, Ben White, when were you born again? Uh, 96. Okay. This happened in 97, so you should be able to remember this. Um, Absolutely. This, this was when uh, Steve Fisher, or no, or I can't remember. Steve Fisher was fired. Yes, that's right. And uh, from Michigan. And or a Robert Tractor Trailer. You may might have heard of him. You might not have heard of him. I don't know. Um, either way. He said that uh, he was unless they hired Brian Ellerby, and it's weird how weird stuff sticks in your mind as you get older. Um, he said, "I'm going to go off to the NBA." And what did Michigan do? They hired Brian Ellerby. Guess what? Robert Trailer did anyway. He went off to the NBA. So again, this it's things like that. Like you said, this is a pro. This it's all about the coach. And Jamino actually makes a good point. Uh, we actually like Jamino TJ Howe. Um, but uh, Jamino makes a good point on this, that it's always about the coach. You can look at any program, whether that's – let's just look at Alabama football. Like kids coming up now are like, oh, Alabama football was always good. When I was growing up, Alabama football sucked. It wasn't good. You had a lot of uh, Mike Shulas and Franchionis, uh, guys like that. That just weren't, guess what? You bring in Nick Saban, you're all of a sudden really good again. Um, it's always about the coach, and that's kind of the same thing with Arizona football, uh, Arizona basketball. If you, I love KO, but if KO was coaching here, we would suck. Tommy Lloyd is here, and it and this is obviously an awesome product. This is a, uh, like I said, it's about the coach, Shu. And like you said, when the coach uh, uh, cedes institutional control, it becomes somewhat of an issue. And you can tell that uh, Jed Fish and Tommy Lloyd have total control over what they're doing. 
The other thing is that players are willing to listen to you, too. Yeah. And this is the thing that I think is very often, you know, there's a lot to be said about character and he, Ben's right. Ego is a very real thing. But there's also if you if you can garner respect from an authoritative position, you don't have to be an ass to do it. Right. Uh, you, you know, if you can communicate and make it clear what it is you're trying to get across. A lot of these players are going to listen to you and see the possibilities that are out there. And I think that's the dynamic that Arizona has and the dynamic that love is enjoying right now. All right. Now, Ben White, what kind of sunglasses do you wear, Ben White? Uh, Shady Rays, of course. Well, duh. I mean, yeah, I don't have a pair of Shady Rays, but I need a pair of Shady Rays, obviously, because that would that would make me even cooler. As we go up to Frank Caliendo later today, if I had a pair of Shady Rays, how cool would that be? But again, check it out. Shady Rays, exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHNX for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Also, Wink. Have I told you guys about Wink? This is funny. This is very funny. No. No, you haven't. Ben White, have I told you this? You've not. Okay. It's a drink with a wink of THC in it. Do you get it? It's good. good. It sounds like a hell of a marketing term. Right. right. I will certainly remember it. All right. Right now you can buy them inside the uh, cannabis Tempe dispensary, all Sunday goods locations and in Tucson, a green med dispensary. Now through New Year's Eve, we are running dailies to uh, countdown to 2024 together and all dispensary locations that carry out our product. All right. I'm also super happy that Tommy Lloyd is, um, uh, that uh, oh Meisner, this is very shoe. I, I you do need to see this when when I was reading the Bruce when I was reading AC Lottery to Bruce. It was <laughs> it was very very Ben Ben White. Did you watch it? I did. Yes. Yeah. It was it was, uh, it was Bruce at his finest. Um. But uh, um. What was I gonna say? Oh. Also, the other thing we really got to give Tommy Lloyd a lot of kudos for is the fact of scheduling difficult. Look at this schedule. This is something, and uh, uh, I think Murph, or I think Murph was making this point. This is something like out of two thousand and one or something for Arizona, where you're going. We're going to look back at this, and you're going to play Duke so far. Win Michigan State. Win Wisconsin. Win, and you still have outstanding Purdue. Alabama and FAU Purdue, Alabama and FAU are all top 25 teams shoe. This was a, um, this was something that I, it's kind of a, uh, you know what it is. It's kind of a, yeah, I I think it's also kind of a Gonzaga type schedule in that. And and this won't, I'm curious in the years that follow how difficult in the non-conference Arizona schedules because the big 12 is loaded, but this year in the final incarnation of the pack X, I'm not sure how good the league is. I it mean, sucks. you know, they, they probably have three teams that are pretty it good. Sucks. And and if you're a big fan of wayward predictions, since I'm two and zero on wayward predictions already this year, I'm dangerously close to going for three, and it's a biggie. Okay, all that aside, all that aside, I I I, I it it's almost like. You know, when Gonzaga schedules difficult because their conference isn't particularly good top to bottom, it feels a little bit like what Arizona's doing with the Pac-X in that situation as well. Uh, You know, but I love it. And I think it's great for it's not just great for the players. It's great for fans. I think it's really good for college basketball as well. Arizona's in marquee games. Other teams are in marquee games. You know, hey, and and, and a lot of these other schools seem to be doing it as well. And I think it's a it's a good thing. Um, you know, Marquette's playing Wisconsin. Purdue played Alabama today up and down. You see some good non-conference matchups. And I'm glad that Arizona is involved in a lot of those. Ben White, it's something that we deserve. Hundred percent, and I think with the way that college basketball is geared over the last couple of years, it it was more so about seeding in terms of wins, right? But now I think it's it's who you beat. I think it's who you beat matters more than just having the most wins. And I think teams have had to adjust accordingly. And if you're somebody like Lloyd or really any college basketball coach, why wouldn't you want to learn early on as soon as possible? what type of team you're working with. And I think that's the frustrating thing for most Arizona fans because over the last 10, 15 years, that was the big question. How good is this team? We don't know. 
we didn't know until unfortunately it was too late a lot of times. So I think when you play these caliber of opponents and when you schedule aggressively, you're helping yourself in three areas. You're keeping the fans, the coaches and the players happy. You're keeping the committee selection committee happy. And you're really truly learning game by game what you're good at, what you need to work on, because come March, there is no forgiveness. If you lose, you're you're done. And um, I think that's why Lloyd scheduled it this way. I think somebody like him has even come out and said that he didn't expect them to win all these games. And and that's okay. I mean, that's the expectation. Obviously, we're in a different point in time now with the way that they've played. And especially a, a game like today is certainly a statement. But You've got to win, and you've got to find out if you have the ability to win, and why not find it on find out it as early as possible? Yeah, I mean, uh, where is it? Uh, let me go back here. Hold on a second. I, I lost this from TLN. Okay, TLN. This is, dude, from your mouth to God's ears, this is to me. Uh, this this shouldn't be difficult for recruits. Between the weather, the coaching, the fun style of play, and the women, why would any player want to go anywhere else than Arizona, dude? I agree. Go ahead, John Schuster. I'm going to share you a third degree story. One of the coaches is still alive. One of us, one of them has left us. And it was a conversation the two coaches were having, uh, the current coach at Michigan State and the other, the uh, former Hall of Fame coach uh, at the University of Arizona. And they were walking down the mall in Tucson. You, so this is, you know, 20 years ago. Jonathan Smith 20, was talking with who? 20, 23 uh, years ago. Uh, yes, yes. And Jonathan Smith, yes, was talking to Lute Olson in this conversation. <laughs> and they were uh, and they were walking, just simple conversation, two coaches having a good time. And it's December in Tucson. And there is a certain... Um, demographic that happens to be walking past them on a fairly regular basis that is wearing a few less clothes than they might be in East Lansing, Michigan. Right. And Izzo starts laughing and saying something to the fact of how in the hell can I recruit against this? Right. And, and, and so what the poster below is saying has some validity uh, to that. Now, granted, uh, Tom Izzo did very well, but there were that, that they're not, there are a lot of other folks out there who recognize the potential advantage uh, in regards to that that uh, Arizona does. But uh, Lloyd obviously is doing a, um, an excellent job from an uh, overall uh, what you know, recruiting standpoint. By the way, I hope that you are not going to, even though the sunglasses are about the defini- uh, uh, as much a definition of cool as it can possibly get, I really don't want you channeling your inner Corey Hart when we're on the road at a night performance with you donning the shades. Because if you don the shades, then I will have no idea whether you partook in wink or not. Oh, but you know, no. with Frank, oh, that's a great way of putting it. But it's only, it'll be up for Frank Caliendo to decide. <laughs> um, but um, that's actually, that's, that's, a, that's that's a very good point there, John Schuster. Um, but what I think he's also done as well is it seems like some coaches, they just get like, I think Calipari's fallen into this trap where just give me 10 five-star kids, don't care how they fit, don't care what the backgrounds are, any of that stuff. And I think that's kind of where oh, Kentucky's fallen off. I see John Wait, Schuster. wait, wait. Calipari's fallen into that trap? Calipari made that trap. No, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, but there was always at least the rosters would somewhat fit together, at least. You would have generally have a point guard. You would generally have a center. You would generally have the players that are supposed to be in those positions. You watch Kentucky the last three or four years, and it's all six, seven athletic wings, and that's it and they haven't been very good. Lloyd's roster construction to me is fascinating because everybody for everybody serves a role. There's absolutely no wasted space out there. And not only that, you've got defenders, you've got scorers, you've got you've got a a nice little mix and on top of that, I think it's also interesting that this is the first year where he's got his entirely his own roster, Ben One White. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, and I think somebody like him is going to take that extra step and understand that, yeah, you had to make changes. You had to get more athletic, but you also need to vent who you're bringing in. Um, I think when Caleb Love indicated that there was interest, and I can't speak for certain what happened, I think Lloyd really wanted to sit down with him and understand why he wants to be here. 
and if he's really wanting to and willing and able to put in that work. I don't think Lloyd's going to take somebody um, just because they're a five-star, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would agree with that. By the way, if you're taking all these players down here, you were just talking about the scenery on the campus. You know where else there's probably good scenery and you can make some money and look cool in the same time? Gila River Casinos, my friends. Gila River Casino. Ben, or, uh, John Schuster, have you ever been to the Gila River Casino? Um, oh, I've been. Ben's been. Ben's been there. So talk to Ben. He's the expert. All right, Ben. Well, what did you like about the Gila River Resorts and Casinos? I like that I won some money there. <laughs> You deserve that money. I mean, let's be honest here. Now, when you were there, did you uh, notice that it was an authentic and immersive experience? I did not, but that's why I need you to tell me. All right, it is. You got to trust me on this one. It is. Check out the Gila River Resorts and Casinos. You do you at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Visit play at Gila.com for more details. Uh, Mr. Tyler Warden, love this. Uh I am, I'll name drop you, Mike. I have guarantee you they have no clue who I am, but <laughs> you know what? I appreciate the kind words. It makes me feel better about myself, but check it out. The Gila River Casino uh, Resorts and Casinos. Again, live the immersive experience. Sean Schuster, it looked like you had some, uh, some I'm curious. Uh, yeah, well, well, yeah, the thought bubbles are always dangerous as we are well aware. Uh, they're usually very cloudy. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but I was kind of curious about your guys's interpretations because you, the two of you are a lot closer uh, in regards to the recruiting uh, philosophy and dynamic uh, uh, than I am. But my understanding is that Lloyd approaches things a little bit differently. He's not a shotgun recruiter, uh, being that, you know, I'm going to there. There are 75 right. guys out there and I'm going to try to send letters to all of them. We're going to see what happens. It, my understanding is that he is very selective about who he wants to go to and he wants to create this. Uh, interpretation from the player that if you're being recruited by Arizona, that's a very elite thing. And, and, and he wants to utilize that philosophy to make it feel like the, the, the player is special. Does he do that additionally in the transfer portal? Well, with the transfer, it's a great question. With the transfer portal, um, the, the transfer portal, you can't really, you can't really wait to do that. You've got to identify six or seven people because the difference when a when a kid hits the transfer portal, they're pretty much go, they're they're going to probably end up at a spot in seventy two to ninety six hours or within a week. So you have to be able to identify those kids very, very quickly. Um, he struck out on Nemhard, obviously, that went to Gonzaga, but I got to give him a lot of credit. He had a backup plan that was well, I don't know if it was a backup plan per se, but Jaden Bradley was the backup plan at that point. Then you bring in Caleb Love, and I think you could say at this stage that that probably was a net benefit for Arizona. But I do believe that he is, at this stage, he's a little bit different. I think he's offering more kids, um, and he's offering them earlier, mainly because I don't know that that is a, I don't know that that is a strategic, um, that that works strategically if you don't uh, have, you can't just offer two kids and say, well, we better get both these two uh, dudes. I think he's offering more like seven or eight, something like that. Ben one white. What do you say? Yeah. But I mean, to that point though, and I think Shu is still accurate in his interpretation because he's not offering 16 to 20. I mean, there are some coaches out there just offering left and right. Um, so I think fit is very important for him. You know, the Nemhard thing, it's, it's funny. We mentioned that, you know, I think it worked out for both parties because if Nemhard's here, Caleb Love's not here. Right. Um, so it worked out very well. It worked out very, very well. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fine line you have to walk with, 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 with NIL, with ego, with all the things aside, but again, right. If, if you're offering a good amount, right. If you're being consistent with your messaging and what type of player you're looking for, I think that's a little bit where the difference is. He knows what type of guy he's looking for. It's just a matter of, does he like them well enough to, to make that offer? And he's had to learn over the last year or so, like Mike said, you have to offer more guys. And as a result, here we are. All right. Now we got to let's, let's, let's put a bow on this one. Arizona is the best team in the country. It's got the fewest amount of questions. Well, obviously no more after the Purdue game next week, but so far so good. There's not a lot not to like about this, John Schuster. Well, it's hard to argue that. Uh, and I was uh, knowing that that question, because I'm, uh, I'm shoe voyant, uh, no, knowing that uh, the ever humble Mike Luke was going to mention that because he's been saying that on a number of shows that Arizona is the best team in the country. I was uh, working on, you know, trying to navigate ways to argue just for, for the sake of argument and kind of gave up because it's hard to argue. 
uh, your position so far. Uh, I, I know Jay Billis, uh, who was uh, doing the broadcast with Dave Pash in an unusually basketball-centric conversation uh, that involved Pash on an ESPN broadcast, uh, was uh, asked that, uh, Billis was asked that by Pash, and uh, Billis thought that Arizona was the most talented team in the country at this stage too. So obviously he's been listening to the Mike Luke uh, influence and uh, sure. borrowing bar, bar, borrowing a lot of his you know better material. Uh, hopefully Jay Billis will not go to Frank Caliendo wearing sunglasses tonight. Uh, <laughs> but you, you know, other than that, you have to pick and choose just like Tommy Lloyd does. You have to pick and choose the right Mike Luke decisions. And it appears right now that uh, you know it's hard to argue Arizona's place on the the spectrum. Now, does that mean that Arizona's going to pull UConn next year or from last year, go into the tournament, beat everybody by 20 and dominate the field? You know, hey, maybe in March we're talking about that and it's an awesome conversation. But right now where Arizona is, you have to be uh, uh, pleased about what you're seeing, how they're constructed, and you feel good come tournament time that they're going to be a very difficult team to deal with. And continuing to get wins like this goes obviously a long way uh, to give them a favorable seed, and it's going to put other teams in difficult positions to try to usurp seeds like that. Ben, before the season, you said NCAA tournament or bust. Do you? Uh, oh gosh, do you, no! Do you, stand, come on. do you stand by this? Ben? Come on, come on! No, I, I won't let that one slide. I, I did not say that. Um, look, th- <laughs> this this team is is the best in the country, barring an injury. I would imagine this team is going to continue to be the best, if not one of the two or three best in the country. Um, There's not a way that they can't beat you. They have depth. They have versatility. They have athleticism. They're constructed in a way that no other team in college basketball is. Um, And I think that's going to continue. And a game after game, you know, you talk about guys like Larson. You talk about guys like Bradley and Lewis. We're going to keep talking about them because they're going to keep playing. They're going to continue to get better. And this team has a really interesting stretch here over the next three weeks that – a lot of eyes are going to be on them. So, you know, that's something they were talking about in the broadcast as well. And we've talked about it is this weird, funky schedule right now where you have these seven day breaks. I mean, how does that affect them? And I think next week is really going to be the telling sign because there's not going to be a person in the country who follows college basketball religiously or even a casual fan if they're not doing anything who isn't going to be watching Arizona Purdue next week. That game's going to be huge. All right, here's what my mom put out. Yeah, Patrick Miller, way to go out on a limb on that NCAA tournament or bust, Ben White. All right, this is a message from He's being from sarcastic, my... Patrick. He's being this sarcastic. Is... Oh, Patrick, I am not. This is a yes, uh, this is a uh, this is a post from my mother on Arizona Wildcats basketball. I will read. My mother is sticking up for the Centenarians. I wish people would stop complaining about the McHale old people. They have been on their feet cheering loudly the entire first half. Only ones I see sitting are the 30 to 40 somethings on their phones. Old people wouldn't be here if they weren't ardent fans. It's too hard on one's heart. Go cats. Janet Parker, Luke for the win. Um, Again, if you don't like me, blame her. Uh, Not my fault. Um, Yeah, there are a couple things that, uh, you know, quickly that uh, I'm, I'm, you know, fascinated about in Arizona's growth process. Because, again, I think we find it hard to believe that Arizona's going to just run the table and, you know, go into the tournament undefeated. However, uh, since we're bored and, uh, you, you know, since it's the holiday season and I'm a brazen gent who's made two predictions and is playing with Hal House money right now in the last year of the Pack X, I think Arizona's going to run the table and go undefeated in the regular season in conference play. Uh, wow. All of that, uh, all of uh, all of that blather out of the way, I am interested in, you know, keep in mind, Arizona was outstanding today, but they were outstanding at McHale. I want to see if Arizona can go on the road and shoot 12 for 23 from three-point range. If well, that happens... If- Maybe if, if they went into a place like Cameron and beat a good team or something. If, or but but if they went into a place like Cameron and beat a good team and were losing in that game in the final two minutes. They were down against Michigan State in the final three minutes. On the road or in neutral sites, it's maybe a slightly different thing with a little bit more vacillation as far as college basketball and the emotion is concerned. Purdue is gonna have an gonna have the crowd in its favor next week. Purdue's good. Purdue runs good stuff, and they're going to see, I think, if Arizona can hit threes in a foreign environment. And if the Cats can do that, uh, you know, I think that's another positive step in that direction. But that's going to be, as Ben noted, an excellent game. 
I would hope uh, in regards to what your mom is saying. Oh, what, she's feisty right now. She's and she's pissed. and well, she's also correct. And I would be I'm I'm um, uh, I, I'm a little testy myself if one of the future decisions uh, from an overall accounting error where Arizona is uh, trying to make up the difference uh, with uh, almost a quarter of a billion dollars is the decision that they think uh, raising athletic ticket prices significantly is one of the important ways to get around that, uh, which does a very nice job of uh, grilling a community that doesn't necessarily go to the U of A, that has supported you year after year after year after year in a community that is still economically strapped. I would be very disappointed if that was the direction that they're one of the directions that they're going in. But I suspect there's a, a fairly decent probability that a lot of folks who would like to go to basketball games and events like that are going to be paying a lot more than perhaps they should. And any nonsense that's thrown out there about market value or how much it might cost in another city uh, isn't necessarily doing the folks in this community a favor. All right. He is the great John Schuster. He is the beneficial Ben White. I am merely Mike Luke. Jacob Franklin behind the scenes. Jacob, I'm I'm adding you to the stage. Jacob Franklin is it? Oh, Jacob Franklin is in the stream. Jacob Franklin, you will speak now, though. It says that your audio is available. <laughs> Jacob Franklin. All right. On that note, though, all of you guys out there, you guys are absolutely fantastic. Wouldn't be here without the fans. You guys are fantastic. Appreciate you all. No better time to back the A. All right. For John, John Schuster, 545. Are you getting me? Uh, Sure. That works. 545. Okay. Ben White. I am, uh, like I said, merely Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.